Hey everyone, welcome to the Cornerstone Church Podcast. Our prayer is that through this message, you will find the Father, a family, and a fulfilling future. Be sure to connect with us online at Cornerstone Church Social to keep up with all things Cornerstone. Thanks for tuning in. We are here the first weekend of August. Can you believe it? Can you believe it? Time has been flying by. Um, we are just around the corner from kids going back to school, and all the parents said, amen, right? Amen, amen. Uh, we, we took our kids to uh, Target this last week, which is just a dangerous endeavor to begin with, taking your kids to Target. We took our kids to Target, and they were livid seeing all of the back-to-school stuff. They were not thrilled that we're that close <laughs> that time of the year. I remember growing up, my dad would, he would always get on my nerves too, so it's fun doing it to my kids now, right? Like my dad would always get on my nerves. He would sing a little song every time, every single school year. He'd be like, hey buddy, guess, guess what we're at? I'm like, what? What are you talking about? It's like, we're only 17 days away from school starting. I'm like, ah, and I'm starting to walk out the room. And as I'm walking out, he's starting to sing, happy days are here again. I'm like, I don't want to hear it. I want to hit you upside the head. And now here I am doing it to my children. So, right, that, that's parenthood for you. Uh, but I say all that to say we're, we're getting to that point of the year, right, where routines start to kick back in. Habits start to kick back in. I'm a creature of habit. I don't know about you. I need routine in my life. Uh, I love the summer. Well, let me tell you, it's been hard for me because I've had like no routine, no habit, no structure. So I'm excited uh, for, you know, the end of the year, this last like final push to the end of 2022, because this is the time that's always like a reset for me. And if that applies to you, if it's like a reset for you, summer has been kind of crazy. You've been all over the place with kids schedules, things like that. Man, I want to encourage you, if you are starting to build up a routine again, make church a part of that routine even if it's not Cornerstone. We've got so many amazing churches in our area just within a 15-minute drive of here. Uh, So if it's not Cornerstone, that's great, but get into some church and make it a habit, make it a routine, because let me tell you, you need it. Everybody needs a good church family, so get yourself hooked up in one uh, as you're building up your habits and your routines towards the end of the year. But I will say this, if you are gonna lock in it here at Cornerstone, that's great, because we're a good church family. We'd love to have you. and I will say this, make sure you're here with us. As we push towards the end of this year, we're going to be talking about quite a few different topics. Uh, we're going to be going over things in our sermons uh, as we push to the end of the year that are very important, very huge, foundational, building block kind of topics that you do not want to miss out on. So we always say you miss a week, you miss a lot. You miss a week coming up, you're going to miss a lot. So make sure that you're here in person or you're catching up online uh, on YouTube or on our podcast. So today, We kick it off, all right? We're starting a two-part series today called Come and See, and I want us to look at the book of John as we start today. So if you have a Bible, you want to follow along, we're going to be in John chapter 1, starting in verse 43. This is the beginning of Jesus' ministry. That's where we're picking up. It's the beginning of his ministry. He is calling disciples to come follow him, and funnily enough, his disciples are calling disciples because these men have gotten around Jesus and they've seen how life-changing he is, how incredible he is, how different he is than anything else they've ever experienced. And so they can't help but going and telling other people to come check out Jesus for themselves. And so that's where we pick up in John chapter one, verse 43. Scripture says this, the next day Jesus decided to go to Galilee. He found Philip and said to him, come, follow me. Philip was from Bethsaida, Andrew and Peter's hometown. So now Philip went to look for Nathanael 
and told him, we have found the very person Moses and the prophets wrote about. His name is Jesus, the son of Joseph from Nazareth. Now, we read this and just kind of skip over it. This is such a mind-blowing statement for Nathaniel to hear. Because this is, this is huge. Nathaniel, he's, he's, he's a Jew. They've grown up their whole lives knowing about these prophecies, knowing about this, this, this coming day when God would send his anointed one, would send the son of David, this, this person to come and to rescue his people, deliver them out of the hands of a pagan empire and reestablish his kingdom on earth. And in this moment, Philip's telling him, hey, you know that guy we've been praying for for literal hundreds of years? You know that guy that our scriptures talk about? You, you know that guy? We found him. <laughs> He, he's here. He's here. We have found him. He's Jesus from Nazareth. Look at what Nathaniel says in verse 46. Nazareth, exclaimed Nathaniel. Can anything good come from Nazareth? Now, if, if you were with us on Easter, we actually use the same section of scripture. We, we talked about this on Easter as well. Um, the reason Nathaniel responds this way is because Nazareth is this tiny, little, insignificant, podunk town. It is flyover country. And so Nathaniel's like, hold up, hold up, hold up. So God's representative, the anointed one, the son of David, the Messiah, the, the one who's going to overthrow the Roman Empire and reestablish God's kingdom here on earth is from Nazareth? Like, that, that can't be. Like, there's just no way. And I love the way that Philip responds. Philip doesn't respond by trying to argue with him. He's not like, well, actually, let me break out the Torah real quick and show you how it makes sense that Jesus could come from Nazareth. And let me, let me explain all this to you. He doesn't do any of that. Look at what Philip says in verse 46. Come and see for yourself, Philip replied. As they approached, Jesus said, now here is a genuine son of Israel, a man of complete integrity, talking to Nathaniel, the one who's been skeptical. How do you know me? Nathaniel asked. Jesus replied, I could see you under the fig tree before Philip found you. Obviously, this blew Nathaniel away. Then Nathaniel exclaimed, Rabbi, you are the son of God, the king of Israel. Nathaniel came and saw um, for a while here at Cornerstone, we've been working kind of with like a tagline, right? Uh, don't do life alone. Maybe you've seen it on our yard signs. Maybe you've seen it on our website, places like that. Uh, we're getting ready to retire that, that tagline. Not because it's bad, right? We're not doing away with it. We're retiring it. We're going to hang it in the rafters like a jersey, right? Like we're, we're, we're not doing away with it like it's bad. Um, but we're, we're kind of changing things up, and I'll, I'll tell you why. Our, our new tagline, you may have seen it, um, it's out on uh, our big banner that we have uh, by our main doors. Our new tagline is come and see. Come and see. And this is exactly where we get it from, from John chapter 1, verse 46. I was actually talking with Maddie Higgins uh, uh, after Easter service on, uh, uh, back in April. And she was talking to me. And she's like, man, that, that scripture you read from John chapter 1, that just hit me. Like, that just hit me because I feel like that's, that's not just Jesus. That's, that's like cornerstone, too. Like, you try to explain it to someone, you try to explain where we're at, and then they look us up on Google Maps, and they look at our building, and they're like, yeah, we're good, we'll check out another church, like, thanks though, appreciate the invite. And it's like, no, I know, we're, we're small, like, we're just kind of getting built back up, but man, like, just come and see. Like, just come and experience it for yourself. Just come and see what God is up to in our church, and let me tell you, God is at work in our church. Like, I don't know if you know it, but he's doing something in our church, they we have, and I'm not, I'm not bashing any other churches because every church is amazing. It's not that we're better because we're not. 
But there's something unique here at Cornerstone. We have a very unique DNA that you don't find in a lot of places, a very unique culture that you don't find at a lot of places, and it is hard to explain it to somebody. It's one of those things, it's like, just, just come and see. Just come and experience it for yourself. So yes, that's true about Cornerstone, but even in such an amazing, greater, and better way, that is true about Jesus. Jesus is something, I mean, we can try to explain him. We can try to make an argument for him. We, sure, we can try all that, but honestly, people just have to come and see him for themselves. They just gotta experience the life change that Jesus offers for themselves. And if you are someone in this room, you're someone watching online today who has experienced that, you have started to follow Jesus as your king, you've experienced the life change that he offers. Let me tell you, if you're in Christ, you have experienced something that you have to talk about. Like, you, you, you have to be like Philip. You've gotta be saying, hey, come and see for yourself. Come and see this guy that I found. Come and see this relationship that I've entered into. Come and see for yourself. You've got to talk about it. Um, has anyone seen these beautiful little pink boxes pop up around town? Anybody? Anybody? I see some people licking their chops right now. You're trying to break out of here and go get some. Has anyone had crumble cookie before? Shoot that hand up if you've had it before. Hallelujah, amen, I see those hands. There they are. Yes, anybody online? Crumble cookie, these things are so stinking good. They've got like the distinctive pink box, right? Um, let me tell you a little bit about these. So in uh, 2020, me and my wife and our family went on vacation to North Carolina while we're down there. We saw a new place open up. We go down there since I've been a baby. So like we, we know if something's new, right? And we saw this new cookie shop open up. We're like, oh, we'll go check it out, see what that's all about. So we go in there. We thought it was like a local place. And we start talking to the guy. And he's like, no, we're a chain. We started in Utah. We're starting to spread across the country now. We don't have tons in the east, but we're starting to open up a lot. In the next couple of years, you're going to see we're opening up a lot of stores. Uh, and it was just such a cool experience. You go in. Everything's like minimalistic. They've got like big glass where you can see them making the cookies behind it. And it's, you know, everything is white, black, or pink. Like all throughout the place. It looks crazy. Big, gigantic video screens. You can order on those, like order your cookies on that. It was just like a whole experience. And the cookies, like we kind of thought it was going to be a bougie place. Like you walk in and it's a cookie the size of a quarter for $5. Like that's what we were kind of expecting, not to be blown away. Man, these cookies are like the size of a hockey puck. Like they're, they're huge and they're thick. And I, I, it's a dessert, just one cookie, right? And they change flavors out every week. Um, by the way, we find out the flavors for this week today, later tonight. So if you want to hop on and find out the flavors for yourself, I, I would encourage you to do so. But man, they're, they're so good. And it's funny, coming back from vacation, like I'm trying to explain this to people and explain crumble to people. And they're like, wow, this dude's very enthusiastic about these cookies, <laughs> right? Like he's very enthusiastic about it. Um, but I'm telling people about it because I had an experience and me and Jessica, we were like blown away. The cookies were so stinking good. The flavors that we tried, just very unique and very different. And so we were telling everybody who could about it, right? Like we're evangelizing for crumble. Like, do you have time today to talk about crumble cookies? Like going door to door, knocking around, uh, talking about it. Uh, and that's what we do, isn't it, for things that we love. For an experience that we have, we, we talk about it. Now, you may not have a sweet tooth, but maybe you're savory, right? You, you, and you've tried a new restaurant and you loved it. And so you can't help it every time someone's talking about going out somewhere, like someone else is having a conversation and you butt your way in and be like, have you guys tried the new place down on Maine? Like, like you just can't help but interject because you had an experience and 
you loved it, or maybe you're a TV show kind of person. You, you binge on HBO Max or on Disney Plus or on Netflix, and anytime you hear someone talking about show recommendations, you're like, um, yeah, you should try watching this. Like, you can't help but interject because you loved a show, you experienced it, and you want to tell other people about it, right? When you have an experience that is that good, you almost can't help sharing about it. And what I love is when I see people who claim Jesus do the exact same thing with him. When I see people who claim Jesus, who claim Jesus as their king, say, hey, look, I kind of can't help it. I'm just going to talk about him. Like, I kind of can't help it. He's going to come up in conversation. He's going to come up whenever I'm talking about things because that's how much Jesus means to me. And that's how much my experience of coming and seeing him has changed my life. Because they've experienced life change. We have people who, who say, I was this way, but then Jesus, right? People who say that, you know, but before Jesus, I was a person that when I looked at relationships, honestly, if I'm being honest, um, I, I mostly used relationships as what people could give me. Like, I, I look around and I'm like, how, how can you help my career? How can you help my life? How can you help me? But then after coming to Jesus, man, now I notice that I'm trying to give him myself. Rather than taking relationships, I want to give in relationships. And we have other people who come in and say, man, when I came to Jesus, I was someone who I had just destructive mindsets. Man, I was so pessimistic. Just always waiting for the other shoe to drop. Always seeing glass half full. Just negative about everything. But after coming to Jesus, I found a joy that nothing can, can, can knock off course. I found a joy that no matter what life throws my way, I'm still able to be tethered to it. And it's all become because I came and saw Jesus. I've experienced new life. I've experienced the gospel, the, the good news that Jesus offers if that's you and you have experienced Jesus, you have something to tell about. You have good news to share, right? Why don't you turn to your neighbor and say, it's all good. It's all good. Put it in the chat online. It's all good because it is. Like, it's good news. The gospel is good news. Your testimony of coming and seeing Jesus and what he did in your life, it's supposed to be good. Like, it's supposed to be good news. It's, it's kind of crazy that we even have to uh, talk about this. But when you give your testimony... It should sound good. That's what we're talking about today. Our sermon title is The I and Testify. The I and Testify. Um, when I give my testimony, it should sound like good news. And the whole reason I'm saying this is because there has been a, I don't know, a bent towards talking about the gospel in such a way that it doesn't sound like good news. And I'm here to tell you today, if it's not good news, it's not the gospel. If your version of the gospel is how much God hates you, it's not the gospel. And I'm not, this isn't me building up a straw man. This isn't a caricature. I've, I've heard this, and it breaks my heart. People talk about their testimony, and it sounds a lot like this. You know, I, I was, I was a, and, and there's parts of truth in it. Like, there's parts of truth, and it can kind of sound right, but you get to the end of it, and you're going, is that really what Scripture, like, says? Is that really it? Um, but you'll hear people talk, and they're like, man, I'm, I was just a terrible person, and, you know, that's how we all are. There's literally nothing good about any of us. We're all terrible, awful, sinful people from our head to our toes. There's nothing good about us, and whenever God looks at us, all he has is wrath and hate, and he just, he sees us, and he's just seething, and he can't wait to unload his wrath on us, but at the last moment, Jesus steps in, and instead of hitting us, he, he oh, okay, well, there, I see my son now. So you know what? God, God, he doesn't hate us anymore, but the only reason he doesn't hate you is because he sees Jesus now. That's people's testimony. 
And people are going, wow, so God doesn't even, like he doesn't even love me. Like the only reason he loves me is because he doesn't actually see me. He's like seeing past me and just seeing Jesus. That's, that's it. And there are people who believe that. There are people who think that. And so when they give their testimony, when they share their testimony, the world's going, wow, that's, I'm, I'm good. <laughs> like, I'm, I'm good. Thank you. Thank you, though, right? Just sucks all the air out of the room. I, I know on our uh, staff, in our staff rallies, we, we start them off with a thing called kudos. And we go around and we, we give props to ministry partners and we talk about awesome stuff happening in the church. And the whole point of it, is that we're starting off our staff rally on a high note, talking about praises, what God has done, how great everything is. And then whenever we end our staff rally, we'll, we'll pray. And we pray for things going on and needs and things like that. But we like, to, we like to kind of start it off with like a high note. But every now and then, and every single staff member has been guilty of this, mind you, every single one, including me, every now and then, sometimes a prayer request gets smuggled into a kudos, right? Gets smuggled into it. You've been in small groups like this before when you're like, let's have praises. And then someone offers up a praise. It's actually kind of more like a prayer. And it's like really heavy. And it's really big stuff. And there's nothing wrong with that. But the placement of it in this very like high energy thing, it just sucks all the energy out of the room. You're like, Phew. so we'll be doing that. We're like, man, awesome story. Anybody else got kudos? Who has another kudos? And then someone says it. And after the five minutes are over, them talking about it, the whole room, you're just like, like shell-shocked, right? You're all, does anybody else have a kudo? Anybody else want to recognize somebody, right? And, and I feel like that can happen with our testimony if that's how we view the gospel. Like, wow, yeah, God, uh, God saved you. Sounds like God really loves you. I mean, does he though? Doesn't really sound like, sounds kind of like he just loves himself. Like he loves Jesus and that's why he's not punishing you and killing you because he actually, he hates you. And that's people's view of the gospel. And that's people's testimony. And it's wrong. And it's, it, it, it doesn't bring anybody in. No, no one hears that and goes, man, there's a God who loves me. There's a God who died for me. It's hard to get people to come and see if that's what they're coming to see. Right? A God who hates them and who is just wanting to unload his wrath on them. It's hard for people to come and see if the gospel is not actually good news. The gospel, my friends, is good news. The gospel is good news. Honestly, the best parallel we have for the gospel, I would encourage you to read. Read the book of Exodus and then read the book of John. Read these two books together. Start in Exodus, read it. Read the account of, of God's people being delivered from Egypt into the promised land and then go and read the book of John and you will see the parallels. You will see that Jesus has come to inaugurate and to lead a new Exodus, the final Exodus by defeating the great Pharaoh, our sin and our shame and death. You see, just in the same way that God heard the cries of his people in Egypt whenever they were in slavery, God has heard our cries. We are in slavery to our sin. The powers of darkness in this world have us under their thumb and God has heard our cry and he has not forgotten about us and he hears us. And so he himself has come to deliver and to rescue us and that's exactly what he's done. And in the same way he led the, the children of Israel into the land, into the land of, of milk and honey, this land of promise, he can lead us into this life of holiness, this life of fulfillment. That is what the gospel is. That's the good news, that that's what is offered to us by what Jesus did and accomplished through the cross and through his resurrection. We have a chance at new life. That is the good news. Listen to how the Apostle Paul says it. This is in 2 Corinthians chapter 5, starting in verse 17. Listen what he says. This means that anyone who belongs in Christ 
has become a new person. The old life is gone, a new life has begun. And all of this is a gift from God who brought us back to himself through Christ. And God has given us this task of reconciling people to him. For God was in Christ reconciling the world to himself, no longer counting people's sins against them. And he gave us this wonderful message of reconciliation. So we are Christ's ambassadors. God is making his appeal through us. We speak for Christ when we plead, come back to God. For God made Christ, who never sinned, to be the offering for our sin so that we could be made right with God through Christ. It doesn't get better than that. That is the gospel. That is the good news that God loved us so much. He went to the cross for us to reconcile us back to himself. Scripture tells us it's your kindness, Lord, that leads us to repentance. That's the gospel, and that is the good news. And you see, this is why it's so important whenever we think about it as it relates to our testimony. If the gospel is good news, it's not on you to convince anybody or to argue with anybody or to, you know, well, let, me, let me answer every question. I have to have every answer to every question you ask. And every doubt you have, I've got to be able to answer it perfectly. We don't need to do that. We don't need to do that because the gospel is good News, when people come and see, honestly, the hardest thing for them is it may just be too good to believe. <laughs> That's honestly the hardest thing for some people is, wow, this is what Jesus offers is so good, it almost is hard to believe. But it's precisely because the gospel is good that we don't have to convince anybody about it. You see, I don't know if you know this, God isn't looking for a lawyer, he's looking for a witness, God does not need you to argue for him. He just needs your account. He, he doesn't need you out there arguing with people and battling with people and confronting people and convincing people. He does not need that from you or from me. He just needs a witness. I love the way the Apostle Paul phrases this in the section of Scripture we just read. He says, so we are Christ's ambassadors, and God is making his appeal through us. It's not us making the appeal. It is God making the appeal through us and through our lives. So we speak for Christ. We don't speak on our own behalf. We speak for God when we plead, come back to God. God does not need a lawyer. He's just looking for a witness. He doesn't need us to argue. He just needs our account. Do you know that's what a witness is supposed to do in a court case? In fact, if a witness gets on the stand and starts to make an argument or starts to plead, the court will hold them in contempt. They'll be put in prison. <laughs> they'll, they'll be thrown in jail. If a witness gets up there and starts to argue the case or tries to convince or tries to do anything, that's not what a witness is supposed to do. There's three kinds of witnesses in trials. You have a character witness, uh, an expert witness, and an eyewitness. A character witness is able to testify to, to the kind of person that is on trial. An expert witness is able to testify to things like forensics and, and medical stuff, things that they're an expert in, right? Um, but an eyewitness... All that they are doing, they're not giving their opinion, they're not making an argument. All that an eyewitness is asked to do is give your account. What did you experience? What did you see? What did you hear? Just give the facts. Don't, don't plead a case, just, you just show us what, what you experienced. Uh, back during LeBron's first trip with the Cavs, his first uh, uh, time with the Cavs, do you guys remember he had that witness campaign? Do you guys remember that? We were all witnesses. The gigantic 
billboard across from, at the time, Quicken Loans Arena. Um, the, whole, the whole point of it, Nike did this uh, marketing campaign called the Witness Campaign. Uh, the big thing, LeBron, it's him dunking it, uh, the ball, it's black and white, and it just says, we are all witnesses. And the whole thrust of the campaign is this idea that LeBron is just a freak. Like, this guy's nuts. He's, he's 6'8", 260 pounds, 0% body fat. Like, you can't pinch a single part of this guy. He's just pure muscle. He, he's huge, but he's agile, and he's strong, but he's quick, and he's just this physical freak. And what we're seeing is a once-in-a-generation talent. Like, we, we, in our lifetimes, we may never see another person like LeBron James, that physically gifted, that talented at the game. And so the whole point of this marketing campaign is, look, you're not just watching someone play basketball. You are witnessing greatness in this sport here. Like this is, this is something incredible, right? And so that's, that's the campaign that they had. And, you know, LeBron was just amazing with the Cavs. He's been amazing with every team that he's played at. So amazing. We've been witnessing such greatness that there's now the ongoing debate of who's the best of all time, right? Who's the GOAT? Is it LeBron or is it Michael Jordan, right? Can we, can we see if we can settle the debate right here in-house? Everybody online, I want you to participate as well. If you've, got, if you've got LeBron James as your goat, I want to see those hands. Oh, man, in his own hometown. How dare you? How dare you, people? All right, Michael Jordan, hands up. Okay, there are the people that are wrong, the people with their hands. I'm just kidding. I'm, I'm playing. I'm just messing. I'm actually... Like, and anyone around my age, it's probably hard for you because you have, like, a foot in both eras. Like, I was old enough to watch Jordan during his finals, but also I've been watching LeBron. So, I don't, I don't know. It's, it's a hard debate. I won't eat up the last 14 minutes of my sermon making the points, though, right? And that's exactly the point I'm getting at is you'll see people have these debates online all the time. Every now and then I get on Twitter and you'll see another trend where it's like people are arguing is LeBron or Michael Jordan the greatest of all time. And you get into the Twitter comments and you see what people are saying and you know people are of course it's Jordan LeBron's 3 and 6 in finals that's a terrible record and then someone responds to well at least he got to 9 finals that's crazy Jordan never got to 9 finals so it's just back and forth right people throwing out stats people throwing out this people throwing out personal attacks you're like geez this is getting pretty heavy watching watching people go back and forth but every now and then it's funny because you'll see there will be a thread and it'll be like oh of course Jordan's the goat he he was actually a good defender LeBron doesn't play defense Another person, yeah, he's never won a defensive player of the year. He's a terrible defender. Then another person, no kidding, man, he can't defend anybody. And then you'll see someone post, after all those, in, in the comments, you'll see someone post a video. And it's like a five-minute highlight video of, like, LeBron defensive plays, of him guarding a, a seven-foot center and then guarding a 6'1 fast point guard and him to, guarding all these different people and being able to do it and do it so incredibly well. And Someone will post that, and here's the thing. They don't even post text with it. <laughs> They're not even saying, you're crazy. Look at this video. Look at how good he is. They just put, there. <laughs> Watch for yourself. Watch for yourself. I'm not even saying he's better than Michael Jordan, but you, really, he's a terrible defender? Just look. <laughs> Witness it for yourself. Watch the video for yourself. You see, whenever it comes to what we have experienced from Jesus, what we experience when we come and see, man, we don't need to argue. We don't need to confront. We don't need to have every answer for every question that somebody ever has. We don't need to have those things. We just need to give our account. 
That's it. I, I, can I tell you, I know this from my own personal experience. I used to, back in the day, whenever I was like 15 and 16, this is so embarrassing. I would go into like chat rooms on my little AOL account, like beep, 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 <laughs> sign into my AOL account, go into chat rooms and try to like debate people who were atheists and agnostic and try to like convince them that Christianity was real and everything. And I've got my little books right here and my little web pages open. And I'm, well, did you know this? And did you know that? And, you know, this is actually true and you're wrong here. And I would do that. And man, I was so in that world. Like I was so in that world. I would make a post in like one of the comment sections and I would leave. And as I'm out doing something else, I'm with my family, we're at dinner, I'm thinking to myself, oh, I bet I know what they're gonna say. And if they say that, I'm gonna hit them with this. And then, yeah, what do you, what, what, what now? What now, right? Like I'm, I'm thinking about it the whole time. And I'm not kidding, I did that for years. Like I would do that for years, just go into chat rooms here and there. And I, I think I maybe made an effect on like two people. <laughs> like if that Honestly, the thing that was happening the majority of the time was people just got more entrenched in where they were. Like, I wasn't making, a, I wasn't making a, a, the difference that I thought I was that I went in there to make. And I'm not saying it's wrong for people to do that. Some people are actually very skilled at that, like apologetics, being able to make a case for faith and stuff. There are people who do that professionally, and they're fantastic. That ain't me, though. <laughs> like, that was, that was not me. And I kind of felt God telling me after doing that, um, like, Jacob, I don't need you to argue for me. Like, I just don't, I don't need you to argue on my behalf and try to convince on my behalf. I get the heart behind it, and that's great, but I don't, I don't need you to do that. In fact, Jesus tells us, did you know that that's the Holy Spirit's job description? John 16, read it yourself. Jesus says he is sending the Spirit into the world and that the Spirit will convict and point people into truth and when it comes to sin and righteousness. That is his job description. So God's telling me, Jacob, that's, that's not on you. <laughs> That job description, that, that job's been filled. I don't need you to argue for me. I just need your account. I don't need a lawyer. I need a witness. I need someone who is willing to tell people what I have done in their life. And let me tell you, I can't speak for you. I can't speak for anybody watching online, but I have experienced God's goodness. I have come and seen Jesus, and I have experienced a God who is faithful, a God who is good, a God who is loving, a God who is kind, a God who points me into truth, a God who is merciful. I've experienced all those things, and so I may not be able to answer your questions. I may not be able to address every concern you have, but I can give you my account. I can give you my account of what I have experienced. I can give you my testimony. And if you are the same way, if you have come and seen what Jesus offers and you've experienced it, you have to talk about it. You have to. Like, you gotta share that with people. You gotta let them know what Jesus is doing in your life. You have been given a sphere of influence with people, your community, your coworkers, your neighbors, your friends. Uh, you have been given influence to share, to share your testimony with one precondition. Please hear me on this and don't be mad. <laughs> this is the one precondition. If you're gonna be a witness, if you're gonna testify, be a good witness. Please, like just, just please be a good witness. Please, please be a good witness if you are going to testify. Have you ever heard of the term an adverse witness? Adverse witness is an actual legal term. And what it means is every now and then in a court case, you will have uh, the prosecution or the defense. They'll line up a witness who, again, is not supposed to plead a case. Just tell the facts as they've experienced it. Every now and then, for example, the prosecution will call up a witness whose facts are supposed to line up with the prosecution's case. But on rare occasion, 
the witness comes up. They start telling the facts as they remember it. They start telling what they believe as they remember it. And it actually hurts the case of the prosecution. And the prosecution's like, okay, we're done. Next witness. <laughs> like, we don't, we don't need them anymore. Please get down from the stand because they are an adverse witness and they are hurting the case that's trying to be made. You see, a bad witness doesn't give a good testimony. If you are not a good witness, and I know this may sound controversial and it may sound mean, but I'm just telling you, man, if you're not a good witness, be careful to testify. If you're not a good witness, be careful to testify. Um, we'll keep the legal jargon going. Maybe pleading the fifth is the best thing you can do. <laughs> I'll tell you this much. If you're not a good witness, you, can, you don't need that Cornerstone merch. You can just leave it here, right? Like if you're, if you're gonna go out in the community and not be a great witness, please, please plead the fifth. Please don't throw the name of Jesus around. Please don't talk about how you're a follower of Jesus if your witness does not match up to your testimony. I love how 1 Peter talks about this. Uh, 1 Peter chapter 3, verses 13 through 16. Listen to what he writes. He says, Now who will want to harm you if you're eager to do good? But even if you suffer for doing what is right, God will reward you for it. So don't worry or be afraid of their threats. Instead, you must worship Christ as the Lord of your life. And here, here we go. This is so good. And if someone asks you about your hope as a believer, always be ready to explain it. Now listen to the next verse. <laughs> this is so vital. Someone asks you for your hope as a believer, why you have faith, why you are trusting in Jesus, always be ready to explain it. But... Do this in a gentle and respectful way. Keep your conscience clear. Then if people speak against you, they will be ashamed when they see what a good life you live because you belong to Christ. Be gentle and respectful. Let your life be a testimony. Have a good witness. Um, there's, there's a movie that came out in the late 90s, a Jim Carrey movie, Liar, Liar, um, hilarious movie. I'm not recommending it, so don't go out of here and go watch it and be like, oh, Pastor Jacob said this is a great family film. No, I did not. Did not say that, but it is a funny movie. And there's a scene, Jim Carrey, he's a lawyer, and he's, um, he's defending this woman in a divorce case, and uh, he, you know, he, he's trying to help her get a payout, get a settlement out of this. Uh, and the husband on the other side is like, I'm not paying her anything. Like, she was unfaithful, and she did all this stuff. I'm not paying her anything. And so Jim Carrey is trying to make this case, but the other side, uh, they hired like a private investigator. He's like, I have an incriminating tape. Like I, I've got an incriminating piece of evidence uh, that I would like to submit as evidence. And so they're getting ready to submit it. And Jim Carrey's character, the other attorney, is like, wait, no, I, I object. I object. The judge is like, okay, on what grounds? And Jim Carrey says, because it's devastating to my case. <laughs> like, that's why I object. You cannot enter this in as evidence because my case is gone if you do so. Like, I, I, we can't have it. We can't have it. And I wonder if there's some people who are claiming Jesus with our words, but our witness, but our actions, God is saying, oh, you are devastating to my case. Like, you're, like man, you're just devastating. You, I, I've called you to live this kind of way, to have this kind of... Uh, peace in your life to walk in the spirit and you are doing anything but that and you are devastating to the case I'm trying to make. You see, there is a difference between our testimony and our witness, right? Our, our testimony is something that we say about God, about what he's done in our life. That's our testimony. Our witness is how we live for God, how we live because of what he's done. So testimony is what we say. Uh, witness is how we live. And uh, uh, man, whenever our witness is characterized by the fruits of the spirit, Whenever the way we walk through life 
is in lockstep with the Spirit. And so people look at us and they say, wow, gentleness, patience, goodness, faithfulness. Uh, like, they just see that in full measure. Um, they see kindness, like, for the love. If just people who claim the name of Jesus were kind, how different our world would be overnight, like literally overnight. If that was the only fruit of the spirit that we got was kindness, our world would be different. We would feel it in a day. Um, but man, if those things are characterizing our life and our witness, then people are going to do exactly what Peter talked to us. They are going to ask, what, what gives you this hope? Why are you so different? Why is everybody else on my Facebook feed so pessimistic, so downcast, always waiting for the other shoe to drop, but you're always so uplifting and you seem to have a joy that's otherworldly? What's, what's the difference here? Why are you the person who is such a steadfast rock whenever everybody else I know is, whoa, like all over the place, depending on what circumstances life throws their way? Our witness, how we live life, makes people take notice. They know that, okay, you, you've, you've experienced something because you are so different and our witness opens up the door for our testimony, an opportunity to testify. And let me tell you, there is power in our testimony. There are people in this room, there are people watching online today who I guarantee you, the whole reason they even follow Jesus as king today is because of somebody else's testimony. Not because someone convinced them or argued with them, but because someone they know or someone they love has experienced Jesus in such a real, tangible way. They have come and seen. They're going, holy cow, this is a different person now. They're not, they're not the same person they used to be. The old is gone. The new is here. Something's happened. I need to come and see for myself. I got to see what's going on with this Jesus. Our testimony has the power to move mountains, but only if our witness supports it. Only if our witness supports it. If we are testifying with our mouth that Jesus is Lord, but we're just as sad sack as everybody else, we roll with the highs and lows just like everybody else, we talk down just like everybody else, we argue with our kids just like everybody else, we're mean and impatient just like everybody else, our testimony has zero power, none. People look at us and they laugh and they say, hypocrite, you don't even believe what you say you believe. Like, you, you're not there. Our witness, our witness is what gives our testimony power. Our, our testimony can move mountains, but only if our witness supports it. And this is what I want to tell you in our last little bit together. Whether or not you like it, church, you are on the witness stand. People are watching you. You, you had a subpoena issued for you to appear to court, and whether you like it or not, you're there now. You are on the stand. People are watching you. People are hearing you. People are noticing you. Like that's, that's just happening. That's a given. So with that in mind, how are you affecting God's case? How are you affecting his case? Is God seeing you walk up to the witness stand and thinking to himself, they're devastating to my case? <laughs> or are we walking up to the witness stand and God saying, hey, that's a star witness, Keep them up there all day. Ask them questions all day because this person, I want them to have influence. I want more and more people to be around them because I know that the witness in their life is someone who is walking in lockstep with my spirit. They are just following in the footsteps of the spirit and the spirit is producing fruit in their lives. And so, yeah, I want as many people as possible to see them, to see their kindness, their patience, their gentleness, so that they can then use that witness to testify about me, to tell other people to come and see what I can do for them as well. How are we affecting God's 
case. In my opinion, this is one of the last things I'll say. My opinion, one of the best ways for us to help make God's case is by letting the evidence speak for itself. Let God and his work in our life speak for itself. Uh, Back in the O.J. Simpson trial, uh, it's one of those things that now that we've gotten years from it, pretty much everybody, like whenever they've done polls, people are like overwhelmingly saying, yeah, this dude should have got convicted. (laughs) He absolutely should have got convicted. And even the prosecutors, like Marsha Clark, they've done interviews in the years since then. And people have asked them, hey, it, like the farther and farther we get away from this thing, it seemed like this should have been a slam dunk for you to get a conviction. What in the world happened? And one of the things that Marsha Clark has said, and, and she said, man, we regret this so, so badly. But honestly, as we look back on the case, one of the biggest things we think that we did wrong was we didn't let the evidence speak for itself. Because we had the evidence Like, my goodness, we had dates, and we had times, and we had physical evidence. We had all of these things, but rather than just presenting them and being like, (laughs) ta-da, like, rather than doing that, we would introduce evidence, and we would, like, over-argue the point. We would overstate the case. We would try to create a narrative around it that maybe went too far and wouldn't actually hold up, and so rather than letting the evidence speak for itself, we ended up being a detriment to the evidence. We hurt the case by not letting the evidence speak for itself. So I think about that, and I think about our testimony, and I'm like, you know what? It's not bad to let people know, to have an explanation for why we believe. But what if the fulcrum, what if the focus point, what if the main thing that our testimony hinged on, what if our testimony wasn't so much an explanation as it was an invitation? What if we took a page from Philip's book And rather than trying to explain, well, you see, this is how he could have come from Nazareth. And if you just read the scriptures, you would have known this by now that this is how it would have. What if instead we're like, look, I I don't want to argue. I don't want to feel like I'm a salesman trying to like convince you to 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 like buy Jesus or anything like that. I I don't want to do all that. You just gotta come and see. Like just come and experience him for yourself, see what he can do and how he can change your life. What if our testimony was an invitation? Uh, so crumble. Like I said, for the longest time, these things were like out of state. Then they were in state, but it was Columbus and Cleveland, so the closest one was like an hour and 10-minute drive. Uh, but now they're in North Canton. Pray for your pastor's wallet and his waistline, all right? Uh, <laughs> just pray for me. But the, the cool thing about that is, you know what I don't have to do anymore? I don't have to explain crumble to anybody because it's close. I don't have to tell anybody what it's like. If anybody asks about it now and anyone's like, hey, that cookie place, what was the name again? I don't explain it all. I'm just like, it's on the strip in Canton. You got to go try it for yourself. It's good. It's really good. You got to go try it for yourself. God is close. God isn't far. He's not far off, and we've got to explain what he's like to people and explain everything. We don't have to do that. God is close. He can be experienced for themselves. And so we can offer an invitation to people saying, hey, look, this is what he's done in my life. When I came, whenever I saw Jesus for myself, this is what he did for me, and he's close. He can do the same for you too. You can come and see for yourself. But this is what I'll say. An invitation only works. It only matters if you've experienced it yourself. How weird would it be (laughs) For me to be talking about crumble 
inviting people to check it out, everything like that. And then someone's like, hey, by the way, what's your favorite cookie? Like, I don't have one. I've never tried it before. It'd be weird, right? (laughs) People would be like, what is up with this guy? This is strange. The same thing is true of our invitation for people to come and see Jesus. That invitation has power when people know that we're actually experiencing it. Whenever they see in our lives, man, you are so different what has happened, and we're able to say, hey, (laughs) come and see. Let me pray for you real quick, all right? Father God, we are so thankful for all that you've done for us. We're thankful for the message of the gospel that we were a people under slavery and bondage to sin. The powers of this world, the powers of darkness had us under their thumb. But God, you heard our cry. You hadn't forgotten your people. And so you yourself, not some representative, you yourself came and delivered us. You've delivered us. You've freed us from sin and death. And you have given us the opportunity to live the lives you created us to live. That is the gospel that we celebrate. That is the good news that we celebrate. God, help us to live out the joy of that good news in our lives. Help us to walk in your ways that the fruit of the Spirit would be so evident in our lives that as we live out the gospel, people around us would see and would take notice and would see that something is so different with us and that when they ask, when they notice, when they see the change in our lives, we're able to point them to you. We're able to tell them, hey, I can try to explain it, but honestly, you just gotta see for yourself. Come and experience Jesus for yourself. Help us to do that, God. We wanna be kingdom ambassadors for you. We wanna point as many people to you as we possibly can because we know what this life is like that you offer. There is nothing like it. It's the only way to true joy, to true peace, and we want everyone to have it. Help us to do that, God. Help us to be your ambassadors And we'll give you and you alone all the honor, all the glory, and all the praise. We love you, Father, and we pray all this in your name. Amen. Well, that's all for this week. Thanks again for joining us. If you'd like to contact us or find out more about our ministry, head over to our website at cornerstonechurch.info. Have a great week.